Hey guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're going to be talking all about how you can improve your sleep. We have seven tips or seven little strategies that you guys can employ to help improve your sleeping. And then towards the end of the live stream as well, we're going to go through a few additional little bits and pieces around specifically with back pain, maybe a few things that you guys can do um, as well to improve the likelihood that you're going to get a good night's sleep as well. So hopefully you're going to find this really, really helpful. If you are new to the channel, please do consider subscribing. We do these live streams every single weekday. And at the end of the live stream, we always do Q&A. So Lara's the other side of the camera again today, and she'll be taking down your questions. So if you've got any questions on sleep or back pain or anything related to those topics, then please do post those in the comments below and we'll get to those towards the back end of today's live stream. And with that being said, let's get into it. Hey guys, so um, what we're gonna be talking about today is this sleeping. How can we improve sleep? It's a really, really important thing and we've discussed in previous live streams briefly about when we've got back pain, the most important thing or one of the most important things alongside doing your rehab and your stretches and whatever else it is that we're doing and good nutrition is that we have to sleep because it's when we're sleeping that our body is doing a number of things. It's getting rid of excess neurotransmitter. Neurotransmitter is the stuff that our, our nerves use to transmit signals, pain signals, for example, uh, into our brain from whatever region that is. So we're getting rid of some of that, uh, that excess neurotransmitter. We're also allowing injuries or tissues to recover. We're helping really repair, uh, restore, ready for the next day. So sleep is really so important. And those of you that unfortunately have back pain that really affects your sleep, you'll know all too much how important sleep is because you'll be experiencing the consequences of a lack of good sleep. And that can affect things like your metabolism, your testosterone levels in men and women, and a number of other things, as well as just feeling generally pretty rubbish and difficult and difficulty concentrating. So we want to help you guys get your sleep right. There's a few or seven uh, interesting points that we can take here. A few with examples, these red numbers, I'll talk a little bit about those um, later on, and hopefully you're going to find it really, really helpful. So if we get into number one, one of the most important things that I think people miss, and, and this is much more common in sort of the um, children, uh, teenagers, and then sort of the university uh, age group is going to be those regular sleep hours. What happens is people are looking for the quantity, so they maybe will go to bed early in on a school night or even a work night, for example, uh, for sort of for the whole population. They go to sleep uh, early and they will wake up early and maybe get their eight hours of, uh, of sleep, maybe let's say between uh, 10 and 6 a.m. But then on the weekends, they might go to bed at one, two in the morning, or if you're going out, you know, clubbing or whatever, three, four in the morning or even later, and then get the eight hours of sleep from there. And the, the sleep inconsistency is, it's just not worth it. You do not, when your body's used to that circadian rhythm, that's the normal rhythm of going to sleep and waking, going to sleep and waking, and then you're disrupting it every five days with a rather peculiar, uh, you know, a six hour delayed process of going to sleep. It really does throw your body out. So one of the good things I think about lockdown in particular for the last three, four, five months has been that actually people's weekdays have become their weekends and maybe that's unwinding a little bit now, but it has allowed most people to get into what I would hope, or given the opportunity, to get into a consistent sleeping pattern of going to sleep at the same time and waking up at the same time. We can't go out in the evenings too much and hopefully we can shut the TV off as I'll get to a little bit later, but that consistency of sleep is really, really important. So trying to keep it up, no matter what day it is, is it really does play a big role in allowing 
allowing your body to adjust just the same way. And you can do this experiment at home with water intake, which is something maybe for another live stream. If you all of a sudden start drinking a lot of water on a daily basis, you're gonna be going back and forth to the bathroom. But if you keep that up for a period of a week or two, your body adjusts to that water intake and the visits aren't so frequent and your body's able to predict when water's going to be coming in and you don't have quite that same need to go to the bathroom every five minutes. Your body just learns to adapt to the, the stimulus coming in. So whether that's water in that example where you really can feel the difference after a couple of days to a couple of weeks, or if it's the sleep, it does have a massive impact on disrupting our body. And that's why shift workers, unfortunately, really do suffer in terms of health scores because of having to shift from, um, from late nights to early mornings to night shifts to day shifts. Those have a massive impact. So if there's one thing you take away from this, get your sleep times consistent and figure out how that works in your, in your life. So point number two is, is really broken down into two parts. And the first part is gonna be try and cut off technology before three, four hours before bed. So maybe that might be, uh, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock sort of time for you. And that's really important because we're talking about technology, the computers, the TVs, the, the iPhones, the tablets, etc. that we're looking at, they're all emitting this blue light. Now, the, the benefit of that is the blue light is gonna impact uh, decrease your melatonin secretion. There's a good bit of research, if you go through PubMed on this, on, in the way in which the specific wavelengths of blue, blue light will inhibit our melatonin secretion. And what should happen is as the sun goes down, we get less and less of this blue light and the warmer lights start coming on. And then we move into that sort of melatonin secretion slowly before we go to bed. It starts to elevate and then we can help drop off and go into that rest and digest or really uh, recovery mode. For, for when we're sleeping and there are a number of other uh, little devices that you can use so I wanted to just suggest a few here the first one is considering the blue light glasses now these can be uh, relatively inexpensive uh, we've got a pair which are just on the side over there large one just pass me they just look like normal glasses and you just put them on so this is this is a um, a compromise for you so if we don't want to shut off our uh, technology three or four hours before before sleep you can use these blue light glasses just bang them on and there we go you can see there's a little tint on the glasses that actually is absorbing that blue light um, so that's a really really good one you just pop them on and crack on with your day uh, or with your evening you can get them done in prescription. There's tons of different companies from you know, own brand to Ray-Bans. You can spend anywhere between 30 quid and 300, 400, probably more for a branded pair. But essentially, you're just looking for that lens to block out that specific wavelength of blue light and you can get them prescription as well. So that's a really good one if you have to do work late in the evening or maybe you're a more productive person before in the latter, latter parts of the day. So using something like that can really help. And I would suggest that that May, that change there may enable you to, instead of having three, four hours before bed shutting off technology, maybe you could go for 30 to 60 minutes because as we start to get close to bed, it's more the mental distraction. If we're blocking out the blue light, then that's good, but we still don't want to do blue, we still don't want to be working right up to the point where we go to bed because it just doesn't give us a chance to mentally unwind. So that's quite important. The other one that's not on there is a little bonus one is you can get these little um, sleep lamps. We have one that we use in the winter months. Normally, especially this time of year, you can leave the curtains open and the sunrise wakes you and as the sun goes down, it's fine. But uh, using these particular lamps, you can have a setting on them where it mimics the sunset. So the light that it is emitting in your bedroom is going from a sort of a, a, um, an orangey light, a light orangey light, and then it slowly goes through the red. And some of those red wavelengths are actually really, 
helpful for us for shutting our body down and going to sleep. So that's quite a nice little tip as well. If you guys have any questions, we can put the link in description uh, for the, I can't remember what it is, but we picked it up from John Lewis. Um, so it's a pretty good one. And again, these little aids, they're not essential, but they're little tips that can help. And I would suggest that light, light one, um, in the winter months, especially in places like the UK, because it, it, it's dark at five and it's not light again until sort of seven or eight o'clock in the morning. So it can be a bit more difficult and it struggles us waking up as well. Those, mm-hmm. those really do help with waking up in the morning. So I've put down here, thinking is annoying. When you're lying in bed, there's nothing worse than all of a sudden deciding to think about that thing that you need to do tomorrow or that call you need to make or that errand you need to run. It's an absolute nightmare and it really does bother people. I know I've mentioned this in the Back and Shape group and some of the other members have mentioned that this is something that they do. Um, But actually having a a little sticky note or a book next to your bed. So if something does happen to pop into your mind just before you're about to sleep or as as your head hits the pillow, your brain suddenly starts working again for some unknown reason. You just get out of bed or just sit up, write the things down so they're out of your brain, they're put on paper, and then you can relax a little bit more. There's nothing worse and nothing more distracting than trying to go to sleep and thinking, I can't forget that, I can't forget that, I can't forget that. Just write it down. Then it's out your way and then you really can shut it off and unwind rather than having your brain talking to yourself for the next three hours while you're led staring at the ceiling in the dark. So we definitely don't want to be doing that. So that can make a big difference here. Then we get into these ones here. Now I've put two red numbers here. Lara and I both use a, a, a little strap here which monitors our heart rate. It's a day in day out thing and it also helps, has some really important measurements for your sleep and it just basically records your recovery. We've been using it for about a year. Um, it's a very good device but one interesting thing it does is it gives you a recovery score based on some heart metrics um, and other bits and pieces uh, that it measures overnight. You wear it 24-7, it's got a battery pack that slides on and With that, it gives us a recovery score, but you also enter little practices you've done the night before. And I wanted to draw attention to these particular two, one of them being stretching and one of them being magnesium, which we'll get onto later. And these have, over the course of, we're talking about a year now, a year's worth of data, or over a year's worth of data, have an impact. They improve the recovery score by 3% and 16%. So there's something where I've got an objective measurement for me. Yes, you might be a little bit different, but I'm gonna get onto this one with doing your stretches in the last 15 to 20 minutes before bed. And the reason I personally do the stretches before bed um, on many of the nights of the week is because going through the process of particularly doing those lower body stretches as part of the the phase one routine, going through those stretches, the hamstrings, the glutes, uh, the hip flexors, just in the bedroom, just really allows you to relax into the stretch. You get a better stretch, but also it helps you mentally unwind. You're just going through the stretching. There's no other distractions. It really helps you almost in a meditative way, shut your body down. You're not looking at your phone. You're not looking at other technology. You're not watching the TV. You're just going through a nice relaxing process before you go to bed, a little bit of movement, which can help with back pain as well. And we're doing a little bit of stretching before we go to bed and help shutting our brain down. And from a point of view of some objective data, for me, it results in a 3% increase or improvement on average in recovery. So that's really important in terms of the quality of my sleep, the depth of my sleep, uh, the way in which the heart rate drops nicely to a very low resting heart rate, and a few other key metrics, which we won't bore with bore you with on today's live stream. But if you are interested in that sort of stuff, then post it in the comments and maybe we can talk about it a little bit more later on because it's very there's some really cool technology and things that can help you guys monitor your own recovery uh, in things like re- um, REM sleep and deep sleep, which is really, really interesting. 
The next one, very interesting one recently anyway, is make sure the room temperature is not too hot. So if you sleep high up in a, maybe a complex of flats, or if you're sleeping in a loft or high up in a, in, you know, a three-story house, those sorts of things, then this can be a really big one. If the room is too hot, we're gonna struggle. Now, fortunately in the UK, we don't tend to have this as a problem, but make sure your room's aerated before you go to bed, and, and that can really help with a cooler room. Our bodies do need to cool down a little bit when we're sleeping, so it's really try and make sure that your room is cool and well ventilated that can be a big help as well and obviously it's a lot more difficult in the winter month oh sorry in the summer months when we have the unexpected heat wave so more recently that has been a challenge next one is magnesium supplements this is a massive one for me and in terms of the improvement the benefit i get when taking it is a 16 percent average improvement in recovery when i take magnesium now this is measured with a number of other things as well like the stretching etc but that is a really really big one and that's the one that jumps out all of the measures REM, deep sleep, etc., cetera, are, um, are improved, in me anyway, with magnesium supplements. And there's lots of research that talks about taking the magnesium before bed. And the magnesium supplements themselves are very, very inexpensive. Um, so that's a really, really good one uh, that you can do. Taking it around about um, sort of an hour, 30 minutes, even 20 minutes before you go to bed. Most of the time I just take them as soon as I go up to the bedroom. So maybe that's 20 minutes, half an hour before you actually shut down. That's a really, really good one. And it's also very good for the heart as well, magnesium in particular. So there's a good bit of research on that. And then the last one here, which you might not be able to see, is book reading. Um, and this is really a, a reading in a book. I've put a note here, please protect your neck. So this doesn't mean lying on your back, looking down like that, reading your book, because that is obviously going to be problematic for your neck. And the last thing you want is neck pain when you're trying to go to sleep. So please do bear that in mind. It's a very important one. Reading can help and reduce your, uh, or improve your sleep metrics. So it is something worth considering. Reading a good book, not something that's gonna freak you out. Something that's maybe just helping you just doze off. Uh, is, a, is a really good strategy as well. So that's pretty much it on those strategies. I'll just run through them one more time. We've got regular sleep hours, make sure they're on point. They're not up and down, uh, going to bed at 10 o'clock one night and one o'clock in the morning another night. That's not gonna help. We've got no technology three to four hours before bed. If we don't have blue light glasses, try and just switch it off and just do something else. Maybe reading is one of the examples. We've also got the use of blue light glasses, which helps you manage better with that technology. And also a lot of the phones have uh, phones and TV screens and computer screens actually now have a, a night shift, which is where they change the um, light that is being emitted. So you can also use that setting on your smartphone. I know iPhones have it, Samsung probably do as well, as well as uh, most of the computers that you guys will have. Well, you can shift it so the screen starts emitting those uh, red and orangey hues rather than the blue light. So that's another way to get around that. But still shut yourself off 30 to 60 minutes before you go into bed. Don't work right up to bedtime. Do please try and consider um, giving yourself that 30 to 60 minutes before we go to bed. The next one is gonna be don't do too much thinking right before bed. So have a notepad or a sticky note besides bed so you can write down your thoughts that are bothering you or that you're thinking of so they're out of your brain and on the page. Get making sure that we're doing a little bit of stretching before bed. Maybe it's the phase one routine, the stretching part of that. That can really, really help in that literally the 15 to 20 minutes leading straight up to going to sleep. Uh, and then we've got making sure that the room temperature is not too hot. That's generally not a problem for probably 364 days of the year here in the UK, but other countries it can be a little bit more difficult and or a little bit more of an issue. Magnesium supplements can have a massive impact. So taking those before bed, they're healthy anyway. We're really stressed. We don't get enough generally in our diet from our foods. Um, it's normally gotten in uh, green leafy vegetables, but the way in which they're grown, it comes from the soil. And if the soil's rubbish, unless you're growing them on allotment, you're probably going to be deficient. It is a big one and it's very, very cheap to buy. 
and then we've got book reading before your bed but before you go to bed but protect your neck and that's pretty much it we'll have those written down in the comments if you're watching this after the fact we can go over to q a okay brilliant good morning everybody um i'll go straight into questions uh, mandy has asked here she says sleeping wise i wake up on average three to four times mm -hmm. a night um finding that she can't get comfortable she's forever changing positions she says she does take magnesium she turns off all electronics about an hour before bed she still gets the cramps on and off during the night too just wondered if there's anything else that she can do um she does have a really great mattress Good. Um, so just any any help yeah, I think um, with regards to that particular topic, if we've got back pain, that can disrupt things. So the stretching right before bed can be, we, we've, I've talked before about do something before we go to bed. Maybe just even if it's just walking around the house, uh, do something to just get a little bit of that inflammation relieved or removed from uh, that area of the lower back. So the stretching can really help. Sometimes, unfortunately, sleep is something that is disturbed. If we can get a deeper sleep by maybe trying some of these other practices that have been mentioned, that will help as well. And also, if we're not working too intensively, if we have a really intensive spell working out-wise that particular day, it might have an impact. And that is going to be more a case of the lower back being irritated rather than the sleep habits being bad. But one other thing that you can suggest or try for cramping is looking at our water intake and looking at our salt intake. Those two can be really important. Obviously, potassium plays in the uh, plays a role there as well. But those can be uh, really things worth exploring. So maybe Mandy, try and, and if you're watching this and you have similar things, I'm thinking about the cramps here. Jack up our water intake for a couple of days. Yes, you will be going to the bathroom more. See how that has an effect. We're going with that treat principle again. And then if that doesn't have too much of an effect, try increasing the salt slightly and see if that has an effect as well. Those two things would be worth playing with. But you may also find that by adding in some of these other things that we've mentioned here, that helps you get into a deeper state of sleep and therefore you're less bothered by the discomfort that's happening in the legs or the pain or the cramping that's happening in the legs. And therefore we're more relaxed while we're sleeping, less tense, so our back's more relaxed and that has a, a, a positive impact as well. Okay, brilliant. Hope that helps, Mandy. Yes, Let please us know do. If you've got any other Let questions. us know in the comments. I don't think Mandy's on today. No, that yeah. she asked us beforehand. Um, right, Joe's got a question here. Can exercising too late in the day make it more difficult to get to sleep? I do think there is a um, a cut off time. I probably wouldn't be exercising at. 10 o'clock at night knowing that we're going to bed at 10 30 that's probably not going to be a good one and by exercise i mean sort of going to the gym or doing your phase two routine or phase three routine that's probably a little bit too late in the day um so i would suggest really um sort of early afternoon um evening maybe even up to sort of five or six o'clock would be fine to work out but as we start going beyond sort of six and seven o'clock if we're someone that goes to sleep at eight nine or ten it might be something that's worth moving around that being said once you've finished the workout if there's sufficient time you actually then become very very relaxed very very lethargic so there can be that benefit and sometimes these things are you just have to test them for you you have to say hey actually oh I work out really really well at 11 o'clock in the morning okay well that's when I'll do my workout or you might be someone that does work out you feel stronger you feel more confident you feel more alert later on in the day and actually you find that by working out at 7 p.m. by the time you go to bed at 10 30 11 o'clock you've just really hit that downward spiral and you're very very relaxed you're very lethargic and you're just ready to, to, to sort of fall asleep on the sofa which we don't want to do so go to bed <laughs> that's really important don't fall asleep on the sofa what about going for a walk after dinner yeah you can go yeah, for a walk after, after dinner a... yeah yeah like that, an that. hour walk um i don't think that's a problem per mm. se 
No, I don't think the walking is a problem. Because it's not going to spike you as high as doing like a HIIT workout. Last thing you want is you do like a high intensity workout, maybe on the cross train or something like that. And then you're sweating for the next two hours because your metabolism has been boosted through the roof and you just can't lie in bed because that's going to affect the temperature of the room or the temperature of you in the room. So we need our body to be able to cool down before bed. Okay, awesome. Um, Dickie said here, another great subject that we take for granted. What about sleeping yeah. positions? Yeah, I haven't really covered that um, in today's live stream just because it was more about general um, general sort of uh, sleeping tips or sleeping hygiene, if you will. But what I would say is on the topic of sleeping positions, we've got a few. The first one is going to be on your side, pillow between the knees, and this is we're thinking of back pain. The second one is going to be on your back, and we can have a pillow underneath the legs. The disadvantage of this one is going to be that it does flatten the lordosis a little bit. So sometimes people find this one good. Make sure if you're using this one where you're sleeping on your flat on your back, heads here, and then your, your legs come up and then rest up like that with a pillow just here underneath your thighs and shins. Um, that particular position, when you wake up, if you are a still sleeper, just make sure you shimmy your bum left and right. We've discussed this before, before you do any movements. Shimmy left and right, just give it a little wiggle, sort of left and right like that. And then, um, and then roll onto your side slowly and pop yourself up. That's a really, really important one. Um, the other note for ladies in particular, where you've got a little bit of a wider pelvis to waist ratio, we wanna potentially consider putting a pillow in this part here to support that natural curve. So. Obviously we've got these sort of, uh, where can we draw it down here? We've got sort of the, the waist and then we've got the spine here. And obviously that being the one side. And we just, if we just pop a pillow in here, it's just gonna keep the spine nice and neutral. Obviously imagine that's lying on the side. It's just gonna keep the spine in a more neutral position. A lot of people, particularly in the lady category, if you've got wider, uh, wider uh, hips relative to your waist, you find that, oh, I can't sleep on my side because it hurts even when I try the pillow between the knees. And that's because it's bowing the spine. And that's obviously closing certain uh, exit foramen where the nerves come out and opening others and putting stretch through others, which may not be advantageous. So by using that additional pillow just in the side, that can be a real game changer for a lot of ladies. Make sure your head's squared off and we're not dangling off to the side one way or the other. And on the topic of sleeping position for your neck, if we are a side sleeper, obviously we want that gap to be bridged so that the spine is straight. Just imagine a neutral spine. Everything that we talk about in the back in shape, uh, whether it's the early phases of the rehab with the core engagement or whether it's the squats, it's about keeping that neutral spine knowing that we have a natural backward bending curve in the neck through here we have a natural kyphosis a natural roundedness that shouldn't be accentuated too much and then we have a natural lordosis gain in the lumbar spine when we're sleeping we want to maintain support and encourage these positions we don't want to be sleeping in a wonky twisted position because that is only going to lead us to strain things or lead us to vulnerabilities first thing in the morning which nine times out of ten you'll get away with but if you're struggling with back pain and there's an active injury down there, we, don't, we just want to decrease the likelihood of irritating ourselves. And therefore, using those pillows can really, really help. And, and, and do, especially when it comes to uh, maybe we're traveling for work and those sorts of things and sleeping on different beds, don't be alarmed if you get some back pain from sleeping on a different bed. We do really get used to the beds that we have. It's a thing that we do every single day. So our body will adapt to the comfort of our own bed. Maybe it's a memory foam, maybe it's a hard mattress. Don't be alarmed if you go somewhere on a, on a work trip or whatever it may be, and you get a bit of back pain with the new bed. That is normal. I wouldn't be alarmed by that, but just know that you know we want to look after ourselves and it's just the effect of being in a slightly different position while we're sleeping. Okay, brilliant. Um, Ollie's asked here about sleeping pills. Are taking sleep tablets tablets etc good for people especially those who work nights 
Um, I think they can help. I'm not 100% up on all of the research on this sort of degree of detail, but I, ha I do seem to recall things that essentially say that medicating and taking what's called exogenous, meaning it comes from else elsewhere, maybe it's melatonin, uh, which is something people will use to combat jet lag, but it's not, it's, it's not an over-the-counter medication in the UK. It is in the US. You can get hold of it yourself but in the uk you can't take melatonin unless it's been prescribed those sorts of exogenous medications will help you go to sleep but the question is is that sleep as good and are we interfering by providing exogenous um exogenous hormones are we interfering with our body's own own natural production of those hormones and and the question is that something really if you're talking about prescription of sleep pills you want to discuss that with the person that's prescribing those so if that's your gp or your specialist then i would say look how is this going to affect my own body's production of these hormones mm -hmm. and is maybe there something else i should be looking at to actually improve my own production before i start relying on these um, that is something to really, really consider. Again, as Ollie rightly mentions, if it's shift workers, that is a difficulty. And there is, you know, there are challenges uh, physically and chemically or biochemically with doing shift work because it does throw that circadian rhythm around. So your body's kind of, it just gets into one routine and then we have to switch. So uh, it's a little bit more difficult for those guys. I would speak to your doctor with regards to how they feel it's going to affect your own endogenous production of these necessary hormones. And Karen says, are, her, uh, are herbal tablets like Calms any good for helping you sleep? I'm not sure what's in those, but what I would suggest in the herbal side of things is um, generally speaking, and this is a general rule, there will be exceptions to this, the way in which pharmaceutical medications work is by shutting off certain things. So if we think of maybe a statin, it's stopping a chain of reactions taking place that produce cholesterol. Whereas the herbal side of things tends to enhance the body's natural production. So they're working in two very different ways. One is blocking an action to stop something else happening. And the other, generally speaking, is doing something else. And obviously there are uh, exceptions to this. But um, the herbal stuff will generally be a little bit safer, I would suggest, um, for, for this particular purpose. I find that chamomile tea actually calms, yeah. you know, kind of calms you down before going to sleep. So that's, that's a nice uh, natural thing that you can yeah. try at home yeah and, and and on the topic of that you know these sorts of things meditation can also help and that's why i i like the the stretching before bed and it obviously has a measurable impact on the quality of my sleep the stretching is almost meditative it's helping your brain kind of shut down and go through those sort of that uh, sort of um, switch off mode and and meditation can also help as well before you go to bed Okay, Alex Sparks asks here, how late should one eat? I find that I am very sleepy after the evening meal. Do, do, not, Me <laughs> do not have a heavy meal right before bed. That, that's a big one. I, I Personally, I sometimes um, miss that one out. I know that Lara tells me about that from time to time. Um, but for some people, it really does have a massive impact. It, it doesn't necessarily bother me so much or, or on the stats, so to speak, either. Um, but it is something that you generally want to avoid. Sort of general best practice is not to have a heavy meal before bed um, because your body is too busy digesting all of this stuff rather than going elsewhere. So um, I would, if you're having your meal, have it a little bit earlier in the evening. There's nothing wrong with a post-meal snack. Uh, post-meal snack? <laughs> 
a post-meal nap that's absolutely no issue at all because what's basically happening is your body's going hey we want resources uh, we want blood we want circulation to go to the gut to digest all of that stuff because we want to get as much of the nutrients out of it as possible so everything else kind of shuts down you get a bit sleepy so having a 20 minute nap after that is not a bad thing and there's no real problem with having naps during the day 20 minutes is a pretty good one it's just about long enough for you to get some proper benefits from that but it's not too long so it becomes negative you will wake up feeling a little bit groggy after a 20 minute nap but after about five minutes of being up and around and pulling yourself out of out of that nap you're actually going to feel an awful lot more energized so that's a really nice one that works well not so much a sleeping one but chill out okay brilliant um dickie says any idea of the dosage for mel- melatonin i don't know the dosage um unfortunately but it is something you, you'll have to get it generally prescribed from the doctor so they'll be able to suggest the appropriate ones uh for you but i do know there that, that we've got a few friends in, in America that will use melatonin or take a few either a pill or, or something uh, when they land to help their body sort of shut off that and get into the, uh, the the destination time zone sleep uh, cycle so it can help but I, I wouldn't get reliant on them okay awesome um Cheryl is is on she said I'm a size sleeper I used a knee pillow last mm-hmm. night um they are supposed to keep the hips aligned but I got horrendous shooting pains in my hip any suggestions um so they might be talking about the hip joint rather than the pelvis and the spine so what the reason that we use a hip pillow is because or the knee pillow is because what it does is the legs will naturally drop in which puts a stress through the glute muscles so as those legs drop in your hips are moving into a position called adduction which means you bring your knees together to the middle and that puts a stretch through the glutes and puts tension in the lumbar spine. So where they say the hips are being aligned by this, they're saying we're opening the knees out a little bit so there's less stress on the glutes and therefore less stress on the back and less stress on some of those other smaller muscles, piriformis and the other lateral rotators of the hip. So although they're saying your hips are aligned, they mean the actual hip sockets are better positioned so that it's less strain on your glutes. I would also consider using the side, the pillow in the side because that can be the game changer because those pillows between the knees won't have any impact whatsoever on the side unless it's some sort of double pronged pillow which I'm not aware of so try using that in conjunction with the with the one in the side and that should potentially make a big bit of difference okay brilliant I hope that helps Cheryl I yeah. think that give it a go and let us know for today yes brilliant thank you awesome well hopefully you guys found that helpful i think um we had a few a good few questions there so hopefully the answers to those were helpful to many of you even those of you that are watching this after the fact so thanks so much for joining us everybody and thanks for those questions they're always appreciated they make the live streams more helpful for both you and everyone else watching um i think that's it for this week Uh, again if you are new to the channel please do consider subscribing if you know someone else that struggles with sleep or sleeping and they can do with some of these tips we really appreciate you sharing this whether it's on youtube or facebook share this with them and hopefully they'll get some help as well make sure you hit that notification bell if you're watching us on youtube or facebook to make sure you know when we do go live we will be back next week on monday with live streams every single day as usual but until then have a great weekend everybody and we will see you next week